Okay, please rise for the reading of God's Word. We are in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 27. This is Jesus speaking. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let's pray. Oh God, how the world runs after peace. And yet we learn in your word uh, that that very thing that the world runs after, it can never be found apart from you. There's no price tag on it. It cannot be purchased. No amount of sweat or human effort or human ingenuity can find a lasting peace. And here we read from you, Lord Jesus, peace I leave with you, my peace. Please take us to that place where we fully get that and understand that and embrace that. I pray this in Jesus' name, your name, Jesus, amen. Okay, you may be seated. So here we are at the end of John chapter 14, going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, uh, through the book of John, Jesus with his disciples at the Last Supper, his arrest only a few hours away, his crucifixion would be the next morning. Remember at the Last Supper, Jesus took bread, he broke it, and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. Referring to the fact that his body would soon be beaten, his body would soon be beaten and lashed for them, his disciples, the ones he was speaking to. And then Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as you, often as you drink it in remembrance of me, referring to the blood that would soon be pouring out 
of his body. We don't like to say that. That makes us feel uncomfortable. But that's, that's the whole imagery here, and that's, the, and that's what happened. His blood pouring out of his body, blood poured out for them, washing their sin, their guilt, their shame away. Now, needless to say, this kind of talk shook them up, it shook them to the core. Can you imagine having been in the shoes of these men? They've been with Jesus for three years, traveling with him from city to city, village to village, laying his hands on men and women born blind and seeing them receive their sight right before their eyes, seeing it. Men and women with shriveled limbs approaching him, having their limbs restored to to normal size. Seeing that. Seeing lepers with open sores all over their bodies be touched and healed. Their flesh, uh, like Naaman in the Old Testament, restored as the flesh of a little child. Deaf people given their hearing, the dumb given their speech right before their eyes, and now they are being told that his body was going to be broken, his blood poured out. Him? Jesus, his body broken, his blood poured out? They're confused, they're fearful, they're anxious. They're filled with dread. They're filled with sorrow. So at the beginning of chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus tells his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Now why is it Why is it that that's a, that's a big deal to Jesus? Why is that a big deal to him, that your heart not be troubled? Shout it out. Why is that a big deal to God? He loves you. He loves you. Just a few chapters. Jesus, chapter 17. Jesus praying to God the Father, and he says this. Imagine this. He's praying to God the Father, and and he said, uh, he says, Father, I have loved them. Loved who? Loved them, the disciples. I have loved them as you have loved me. Now, 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 let that sink in. God loves you, or Jesus loves you, in the same way, in the same manner that God the Father loves Jesus the Son. In that same way, Jesus loves you. And he doesn't want your heart to be troubled. Because he loves you. When when I see, I have five kids. Anytime one of my children is troubled, I'm all over that. Why? Because I love them. God loves you. Does not want your heart to be 
troubled. Some of you come in here this morning with troubled hearts. You're, you're in the right place. God doesn't want you to stay in that place. But there's another reason that God, that Jesus does not want your heart to be troubled. It is of equally huge importance. God doesn't want your heart to be troubled. Why? Because he loves you. There's another reason. Anyone want to shout out, I guess? What's that other word? What might that other reason be? What was that? Our witness. Wow, I'm impressed. He doesn't want your heart to be troubled because he wants your life to be a witness. He wants your life to bear fruit. Jesus does not want your heart to be troubled because he wants your life to bear fruit. If you're taking notes, write that, those two things down. Because he loves you. And because he wants your life to bear fruit. Now, um, anyone remember what that means, bearing fruit? As a man, a woman, bear fruit. Well, we discussed that a few months ago when we were in chapter 12, chapter 12, verse 24, Jesus said this. He said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces what? Fruit. It produces fruit. Now, when we say that, bearing fruit, Producing fruit, bearing fruit. What does that mean? We talked about that too. Let's get, here's a couple definitions here. Bearing fruit, the life of God in you being reproduced in the lives of others. That's what it means. It has something to do with other people. Don't be confused by fruit of the Holy Spirit being uh, your life being a reflection of that fruit in Galatians 5.22, fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's not what bearing fruit is. That's something altogether different. Bearing fruit has something to do with other people. The life of God in you being reproduced in the life of others. Um, but uh, combine that with this definition, this next one, the life of God in you bringing glory to God. That's what, that's what bearing fruit means producing as a result of the life of God in you the life of God is being reproduced in the lives of others and your children and your friends and strangers in the street but even if it's not being produced in them you're still bringing glory to God you're bearing fruit you bearing fruit it's a big deal to Jesus. In fact, Jesus spends most of John chapter 15, next chapter, speaking about this very thing, bearing fruit. Turn with me to John chapter 15. Just one chapter away to the right. Look at verse 16 with me. This is Jesus speaking. Wow, let this one sink in. 
verse 16, Jesus says, he's speaking to you. You did not choose me. You guys know that? You didn't choose Jesus. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. Think about that. Why? And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. Look at verse 5. Go back to verse 5 of John chapter 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides or lives in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do Nothing. Now look at verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so that you will be my disciples. You bearing fruit, you, is a big deal to Jesus. But listen, he knows, Jesus knows, Hence the reason for the entire chapter, John chapter 14, Jesus knows that a believer with a troubled heart will not bear fruit, will not be a witness. A believer with a troubled heart will not bear fruit. A troubled heart, listen, brothers and sisters, is it, it kills fruit bearing. It kills it. And so that's why Jesus spends the entire chapter prior to John 15. John 15, what's it about? Bearing fruit. Spends an entire chapter speaking to his disciples about why, the, why it is that they never have to have a troubled heart. Why it's completely unnecessary for a, 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 a believer in Jesus Christ ever to have a troubled heart. And so he lists out the reasons, right? And we've been going through them. Verse 2, let not your heart be troubled because I'm going to the Father's house. I'm going to the heaven and I'm preparing a place for you. Verse 3, let not your heart be troubled because I'm going to come back to get you and to receive you to myself. Let not your heart be troubled. Verse 16, because I will pray to the Father and he will give you another helper, a comforter, a counselor, parakletos. Verse 17, the spirit of truth. He's been with you, but he will be in you. There's no need for you to stay in a place of your heart being troubled. And then in verse 27, just read one verse this morning. He says, what peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you? Then what does it say? Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I remember before I was a, a pastor full-time, uh, I, I was always, ever since I've been walking with the Lord, I've been in ministry full-time, and, and anyone here who is a believer in Jesus, you're in ministry full-time, but um, I was not always a pastor full-time. I, I have uh, this large, uh, it's not a painting, it's a print, it's a watercolor. 
I think it's a print. I don't think it's the original. It's a, it's a big one with a wooden frame, and, and I had it up in my office right um, above, my, uh, above my desk. And underneath, and it's, a, it's a, this, this wonderful, very peaceful scene. It's, I think it was painted in Canada, and it's just this farm with farmland and just very serene. And underneath it, it said this. It says this still. Still have it. It was then in my office, now in my kitchen. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And that was in my office at work. And, and when, one day, one of the, uh, I'll call him a big shot, because he was. I mean, in a good sense, he was a big shot in this office. He was really, really good at what he did. He was very experienced. And he says, look, I've been looking at this. I've been looking at this print for a long time. And, and it, it, it what does that mean underneath that underneath that that watercolor there? Peace I leave you with my peace I give you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Of course at the time I'm like, oh thank you, Christmas came early. Thank you, God. I, I, what a great opportunity. What does it mean? I, I, I shared with him, but now I want to share with you. What, what does that mean? Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Well, the first thing I explained or tried to explain to my, to my colleague and uh, what I'd like to, to try to share with you, asking, praying for God's grace as I'm explaining it, first thing um, that I want to try to, to, to work through is the statement, not as the world gives. Not as the world gives. There is a peace that the world gives. There is a real peace that the world offers and it gives. A peace that, that comes by financial security, having the right job, a peace that comes by having enough money in the bank, enough money for retirement, and then once, once you get the right amount of money, having the right kind of insurance policy for your house, for your car, for your life, then there's that umbrella thing. Most of you are saying, what are you talking about, that umbrella thing? It's fine, you don't understand what that means. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, and, then, and, then, and then when you get really uh, uh, secure, that you, you go and hire a, a, a lawyer, you can put all your possessions in a trust, so if you're sued, they can't get it. Your possessions. That's a, that's a peace that the world offers. Peace of getting in the right school so you can get the right education with the right professors and get the right job. A peace that comes by physical security. You live in the right neighborhood got a good police force, your house has the right alarm system, good locks, yeah, your house, whether you own it or you rent it, it can survive a windstorm like the one we just had. Wow, that house is in place. Tell you, 
85, 95 mile an hour wind gusts pounding against your home. You want that peace that your house is constructed well. A peace that comes from national security. Having a good army with the most soldiers and the biggest ships, the fastest planes, stealth planes that, that cannot be detected, the most advanced weapons. A peace that comes from physical health. Having a good doctor, having a checkup each year, having a health system that is as advanced as possible with medicine and vaccines that can cure, prevent disease. A newest kind of disease, a new strain, a virus. That's the peace that the world offers. But there's a this problem with it. There's a problem with it. That kind of peace, it fails when it's tested or it's tried. Listen to this crazy quote or look at this crazy quote. Charles Spurgeon. The world's peace is a chimera. It fails under trial. What in the world is that? Chimera. It's a cool word. I never knew about this word until last night. <laughs> but it's a cool world, chimera. It, what, what, what that word means, it, um, it, it's, it's, it's a really interesting word. It kind of has a double meaning. Um, chimera is something that is hoped for or wished for, but in fact, it's an illusion. Chimera. You're taking notes. Wow, you're smart now. Yeah, so am I. We know the word chimera. Write that down. But it doesn't really, doesn't really stay with that. It's got a double meaning because it's also a, a chimera is a figure from Greek mythology. It's a fire-breathing female monster. Chimera. A fire-breathing monster. A female one. And, 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 and this monster has a lion's head, a goat's body, and a serpent's tail. So the, so the idea of chimera is, is a thing that's hoped for, it's wished for, but it's an illusion. You, you strip away some of that financial security. You strip it away. So, so you can get a note, a note, a room here, a rumor at work. I got real used to this, that there's, the company is laying off people. There's a fire-breathing monster of fear behind that security. Chimera. Can we put that back up, Sean? The world's peace is a chimera. It fails. It fails under trial. I have a question for you, and I ask it to my own heart, and I tell you, uh, I was asking it to my heart as I was preparing the sermon. It makes, I need the grace of God just, just to, to ask this to my heart, and you need it too. How much does it take to disrupt your peace? How much does it take for your peace to be taken away? Really? That's why we come to church, to be honest with the Lord and each other. <laughs> Verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world 
gives do I give to you? Now, Jesus talks about a different kind of peace here. He talks about a different kind of peace here. And there's two words that are really, really important here. Key words. What are they? Shout it out. What's the difference between this peace that the world gives and the other kind of peace he's talking about? Two key words. Anyone? Mm. Another guess? My peace. My peace. That is so critical. And, and it goes so well with what we talked about last week. What did we talk about last week? Verse 16, chapter 14. Let's go back there. Jesus, again, he's talking to them about why it is unnecessary for them to have a troubled heart. He says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. So, so Jesus here, he's talking about his peace. He says, my peace. So it's not talking about God like manufacturing a peace for you. Remember what we said last night? The Holy Spirit, for those of you who were here, Holy Spirit is a person, right? He's not a thing. He's not a force. He's not a it. So, so, so he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's a person, a person who comes and lives inside of you. So, so um, a Christian in a trial, something disrupts their peace. And, 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 and the peace that, that, that Jesus offered, it, he says, it's my peace. So it's not God like manufacturing peace and okay, I'm going to throw my spirit. My, my, the, 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 the peace force yeah. at them. Or, or he gives you the peace, a force of peace, or he gives you a piece of peace, or he, he gives you, uh, I, I, I don't know, the, the, an idea of peace or peaceful words or whatever. That, that's not what it is. He gives you himself. In fact, you have him if you have asked him into your life believing, accepting him that he's the king of the, your life. He's the king of the world and I've been rebelling against God my whole life. Why have I been doing that? Just living my life for myself. Jesus, my king, come inside of me. At that moment, the Bible says, and at that moment alone, and from that moment for all eternity, Jesus lives inside of you by the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three but one, and you have access to his peace. Everyone with me? My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. And now let's go really deep here. 
Now, now, now don't, don't turn me off, please, when I say that. Don't turn me off. There's some of you who are say, thinking, oh, wow, that's great. Others of you are thinking, ugh, and when Steve goes deep, I don't really get it. Well, try to stay with me. I want to go deep with you, theologically deep. I have Jesus' peace, okay? Where does his peace come from? You know, there's people who think about these things and write about these things and they publish books and they're good books. You should read good books to read. Where's Jesus' peace come from? Now, this is deep and I'm hoping you can get a piece of it or all of it. Turn with me to John chapter 17, verse 23. Actually, we already put this up on the projection screen, at least part of it. Jesus, who has lived with God the Father from all eternity. He was never created. He always was, and he was always with the Father. And he's praying here to God the Father, verse 23. Again, this is right before he's arrested, right before he sweat drops of blood. He's in so much agony himself. Not because he had a troubled heart. Well, be, not be, there are certain situations that um, we've already uh, went through this as well, that it's, it's okay to have a troubled heart. When you see sin in the world and the effects of sin in the world, okay then to have a troubled heart. God doesn't want to keep us there. But he had a troubled heart in a good way at this time, and he's, he's, he's praying to God the Father, and he says this. Remember, we're, thinking, we're, we're talking here, where's Jesus get his peace? I in them and you in me, that they may be perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. It's a crazy thought, but shout it out. Where's Jesus get his peace? Why, why is Jesus at peace? Why? Because God the Father loves him. I pray that they would know that as you have, that, 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 that they would know that I have loved them or at, that I do love them as you have loved me. God the Son is always in that perfect place of peace because he's receiving a constant flow and ever and ever a flow that never stops, a never changing flow of love from the Father. And so when Jesus says, my peace I give you, that's the peace that you have access to. Now that's deep. That's deep. The peace of Jesus Christ. Jesus has given you if you are in Christ. Now turn to John chapter 14, verse 20, just to get a taste of this piece. Back to John chapter 14. He says, on that day, that, and he's speaking of the Holy Spirit here, on that day when you receive the Holy Spirit, and therefore you have the person of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, on that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. 
my peace, verse 27, I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Now, um, we've talked about, we talked about why Jesus is at peace. He's at ever constant flow of love from the Father. He's at peace. What does that peace look like? I just want to give one really quick. In the book of Mark, in chapter 4, there's that story. I'm going to read some from it, and then we're going to put a verse up on the projection screen. There's a story where Jesus and the disciples, they were, there was a multitude of people coming to Jesus, asking for healing, asking for teaching. He was healing, he was teaching, uh, but then um, he, he, he got into a boat with his disciples and he told them, we need to go to the other side of the, the sea, speaking of the Sea of Galilee. And it says in verse 37 of Mark uh, chapter 4, it says, and, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. What was Jesus doing? Anyone? Shout it out. Let's get, let's get this verse up on the projection screen. Here's the peace that Jesus offers you. It says, that when he says my peace, this is the peace he's talking about. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. When he speaks of my peace, this is the kind of peace that you have access to, that's who li that lives inside of you. Who lives? inside of you. It says when, after he was, he's sleeping, it says the disciples awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're about to perish? We're about to die? And then it says he arose and he rebuked the wind. He spoke against the wind and said to the, to the, to the sea, peace, be still. And it says the wind ceased and there was a great calm. The same peace he had was now over, over the sea. That's a, it's a powerful thought. My peace I give you. I want you to, I love you. I want you to bear fruit. So my, my peace I give you. And it's not the peace that the world gives. It's not the peace that the world gives. How much does it take for your peace to vanish? A rumor about layoffs, police sirens in your neighborhood, hearing gunshots in your neighborhood, hearing about a shooting. Maybe it's police sirens at your door, your, your, your past, your sin has found you out. Hearing, as we did this last week, that Russia has built a new stealth missile which is more advanced, more powerful than anything that has ever been manufactured before. Here, getting a call from your doctor, 
to come in and talk about your biopsy or worse, the biopsy of your child or your mother or your father or your brother or sister. There is a peace offered by the world but there's a problem with that peace. It fails under under trial. The world's peace, it's like a chimera. It fails under trial. But Jesus' peace, what he calls my peace, another verse about that that many of you are familiar with, Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. In other words, it doesn't make sense. Why does it not make sense? Because it's not your peace. It's Jesus' peace. Will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Jordan, my nephew-in-law, gave the announcements this morning. We just finished a book by Jonathan Edwards. He was, he's, the, he's the most famous pastor who has ever uh, lived on American soil. He uh, ministered before the United States was the United States. They were a colony at the time. And because of his teaching and preaching, there was a guy who came over from England, George Whitfield. There was just a massive revival. And 40 years later, the Declaration of Independence and, and the Constitution was written, all a product of this revival. Jonathan Edwards. We read, Jordan and I read his biography, and I tell you, um, you know, it's good. It's good to read books out there, including bio, uh, biographies, because they're such an encouragement, and particularly the ones that are, you know, very trustworthy and honest about the shortcomings, but also uh, the, 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 uh, the things, the victories that uh, these, these men and women had. But one of the things that happened to Jonathan Edwards, which is kind of shocking to think about, the most uh, influential uh, pastor, I believe, who's ever lived on American soil, he, his, his church was in Northampton, just about an hour away. Uh, after about 15 years, uh, his congregation uh, got tired of him. And there's this saying, familiarity breeds contempt. It's like, oh, this guy, he's been with us for 15 years. Come to think of it, I've been here 15 years. I hope the same thing doesn't happen. But they've been, uh, they've been after, they, they, they were with him for 15 years, and uh, they didn't like some of the things that he was teaching. And their particular form of government uh, uh, allowed the congregation really to bring the pastor into a trial. A trial. And this man, Jonathan Edwards, who... Uh, was responsible, had already been at this time, had already been responsible for the most powerful revival this country, country before it was even a country, ever knew, had to, had to basically for an entire week listen to person after person get up and, and give, uh, give accusations. And all of them, none of them were personal. They were all about some of his teaching. And at the end, he fired him. They let him go. 
And he was, uh, actually was sent off to western Massachusetts to minister to Indians where no one else wanted to go because it was, it was beneath them. Jonathan Edwards knew it was beneath him. It's a precious privilege. These Indians were precious in the sight of God. He saw revival out there too. But, but he, had to, he was fired. He was, he was basically lynched and thrown out of his church. And, and there was a man there uh, who uh, looked at him through, throughout the week um, that this was going on. And it says this. Jonathan Edwards, that faithful witness, received the shock, the news that he had been let go. He received it unshaken. I never saw the least symptom of displeasure in his countenance the whole week. But he appeared like a man of God whose happiness was out of the reach of his enemies and whose treasure was not only a future but a present good. A treasure that outweighed all the ills of life, the troubles of life, and many, including those seeking his dismissal, were astonished as they observed him. The peace that passes understanding. I want to have some time of prayer as we close out the service, if the worship team can come up. God wants you to bear fruit. That's what this is all about. Your life, my life, it's not about you, it's not about me. It is all about the Lord. And he wants you to bear fruit. He wants you to have a fruit-bearing life. So I want to pray about that. But as we're up here, Before, we're up, but before we begin worship, before we, we start praying, I want to speak to some of you who are not Christians. Every Sunday morning we have people in here who are, who are not Christians, and that's a good thing. I like that. And if you're not a Christian, this is a good place to be, to just, what's all this about? I want to find out about this. There's a false gospel out there in, that's, that's being preached in many churches around the world in the United States. And the gospel goes like this. Gospel means good news. The, 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 the gospel, this kind of good news, quote unquote, goes like this. It's like, if there's no peace in your life, if there's no peace in your life, come to Jesus and he will give you peace. That's a false gospel. That's a lie. No one should ever be going to Jesus as, like he's some kind of huckster who just gives out peace and blessings. You come to Jesus because you've heard the word of God which says you're a sinner. And this wonderful man of peace who, 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 whose blood poured out for you. You've lived your life in opposition to him and his word. That's why you come to Jesus. And that, and that reason alone, that's why you come. 
now. Once you come to him, the Bible says to as many who have received him, they become children of God. Once you're a child of God, then Jesus speaks to you and he says, my peace I give, I give you. My point being what? Don't get the thing switched around. Because if you come to Jesus, and I may be speaking to some of you, because really, it really wasn't about your own personal sin and the fact that, that, that God's judgment is hanging over you because he's a holy judge. God, that's not the reason you came. You came because, man, you're just sick and tired of all this anxiety, this troubled heart. You're sick and tired of it. And then, wow, you were in a, you were in a service somewhere. The worship was really great. And the pastor got up there and said, you know, if, if you want prosperity in your life, if you want peace in your life, if you want joy in your life, Jesus will give it to you. Come on up. And you and many others came up. That's a false gospel. We first need to get the business done, right? Our business with God, that he's God and we're not. Okay. So if that, if, if, if that defines you, if, if that describes you, don't be ashamed of it. We've all been at the place and in this place where we were go- we, at some point in our life, we were going to God not because of who he was, but because what we wanted. God can change all that around so your relationship with God looks a lot different. But if you're there, if that's you, if you're not a Christian, if you have never come to Jesus and said, all right, that's it. You're the king of the world. I am certainly not. Please come into my life. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Thank you that you were rose again and ascended into heaven and are now offering me this gift of eternal life for free. If that, def- if that describes you, come on up as the worship team Begins. If you've been asked to be a prayer partner, if you could come uh, um, up at this time. But for the rest, uh, for, for you who who've, you've done that business and it's settled, and you want to just have a brother or sister pray with you because you get a troubled heart, come up. I'll be up here. Come up, let's pray about that. And the, the, I know just really in the last seven days, there was something that as much as I prayed about it, I couldn't shake my troubled heart. I had to call a couple friends. I'm so grateful for those friends. So we have some friends up here right now that will pray for you and will pray through this thing with you. Bible says that don't be anxious about anything. Isn't that crazy? It does say that, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, present your request to God with thanksgiving, and the peace that passes understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Why don't we stand? I'll close in prayer, and we'll worship. Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, that we don't have to manufacture our own peace. We have your peace if we're in Christ, if we're in Christ Jesus. I pray for anyone who's not become a Christian at some point in their life, Lord. For me, I wasn't until my early 20s. Been in church many times up before that point, but wasn't 
early 20s until I made you my king. Lord, if there's someone in here that hasn't done that, hasn't become a Christian, stir them up against all their fears that they can come up and pray, Lord. And Lord, for, for everyone else, that we would just be honest with you, Lord. Presenting our hearts to you, we do that now, Lord. We confess to a man, to a woman, I think I can speak for everyone, Lord, that it doesn't take a lot for our peace to vanish. Lord, just bring us to that place of peace by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we worship you now. In Jesus' name.